0: Let's ask God to speak to us now as we come to look at His Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for the Scriptures. We thank You that they are living and active and speak to us and that You speak through them by Your Spirit. And Lord, we would ask this morning that as we come to look at this next part of Matthew's Gospel, that You would speak to us, that You'd speak to us clearly, and that You'd help us to embrace what You say and live in light of it. Lord, we long to hear Your voice this morning and we trust that by Your Spirit now You would speak to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just let these guys get a seat. So this is gonna sound a wee bit weird, um, but I really like people watching. Now that's not to say that you know I turn the Emma some days and say, hey honey, why don't me, you and the kids go out and watch some people? I'm not that weird, okay? But but I do love people-watching. If I'm going out for a walk, I love to keep my head up and my eyes open and just look at people. Or if I'm in a, a train station or if I'm at a concert or if I'm at a football match, I love to keep my eyes open and I love to watch people. Um, I prefer it even more than watching my phone. That's how much I like it. But watching people, if if you don't do it, I would really encourage you to have a go. If you're not a people-watcher, if you don't watch people as you go about your life, I'd really encourage you to do it because people watching can be joyous. This week I was in a coffee shop, I was doing a little bit of work and I noticed a mum giving a bottle to her newborn baby. And honestly, the, the look on the mother's face, it was just joyous to watch. Last week I was out with a, for, with a dog, my dog's called Sheepy, it's ridiculous, I know, but I was out with my dog in Orangefield Park, we were going for a walk around the park and, and I noticed These two old people, this old couple, and obviously their bodies were not working as as they used to. They were sort of stooped over and they were walking very, very slowly. It was obvious that their bodies weren't working the same as they used to, but it was also obvious they were in love because this old couple were holding hands as they strolled around the park. Watching people, it can be joyous. The, The look on a young boy's face under the floodlights at Windsor Park whenever Northern Ireland score, it's joyous to see. People watching can be joyous. You should try it. But I must also warn you, it can be disturbing too. You see, whenever your eyes are open, whenever you really see the people around you, whenever you see the world as it is, when you see the crowds, it can also be disturbing. You go shopping at Castle Court and suddenly you notice the drug addicts are loitering around the entrance. You're at a concert, you're in this huge crowd, and and you notice a man looking aggressive storming off to the exit with a woman behind him in tears. You go shopping at Tesco's to get some croissants for your brunch if you're posh, and you notice the man in front of you with nothing else in his basket apart from a bottle of whiskey at 10 o'clock in the morning. You see, when we have our eyes open and we we people watch, it's joyous, but it's disturbing. Because you recognize that a lot of people are lost. A lot of people are in difficulty. A lot of people are in a bad way. What's really interesting about the Lord Jesus is that whenever he walked the earth 2,000 years ago, as he went from town to town and village to village, as he got on with his jobs of preaching and teaching and healing, he was a people watcher. He saw people. He saw what people were like. He looked at them. He saw them. The book of Proverbs says that the eyes of the Lord are on the evil and the good. And the Lord Jesus, as he walked the earth, it was the same. He saw people. He noticed them. He recognized what they were going through. He understood their lives. And as Jesus looked at people, there was an emotion that stirred in him. Was he joyous? I guess at times he would have been. I'm sure the Lord Jesus, when he, when he saw a newborn baby being fed, I'm sure it filled him with joy. Was he disturbed? I'm sure he was as he saw the corruption and the cruelty in the world around him. I'm sure he was disturbed as well. But what Matthew tells us is that there was one emotion that was stirred within Jesus that trumped all other emotions when he saw people around him, when he saw the crowds. And that emotion, have a look at verse 36, was compassion. Compassion. Look what Matthew says. He says, when he, that's the Lord Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Now that word compassion In in our English, it doesn't do justice to what Matthew was actually saying in the Greek. What it means is that Jesus (laughs) felt for them in his guts. You ever had butterflies? You know what it's like to feel something in your guts? Well, whenever Jesus looked at the crowds, when he saw the crowds around him, he felt for them physically. He felt for them in his guts. He felt deep sympathy for them. He felt deep love for them. He felt deep care for them. And Matthew sums it up by saying he had compassion for them. So much compassion. He felt it physically. I wonder what we feel when we look at the crowds around us. Joyous? Yeah. Disturbed? Absolutely. But do we feel compassion? Compassion? Do we feel sympathy for people? Do we feel empathy with people? Do we feel love for people? Do we feel sadness for people? Do we? It's a challenging question, isn't it? But the Lord Jesus, He did. As he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them. Now, we're going to tackle a question here, and it's really got two parts. The first question is this. First of all, who were the crowds that Jesus felt compassion for? And the second question is this, why did he feel such compassion for them? So who were the crowds, and why did Jesus feel compassion for them? Well, if you read through Matthew's gospel, what you would see is that Jesus interacted with three main groups of people. The first group were his disciples, those who had followed him, those who'd given their lives to him those who were letting Jesus set their direction, living for Christ, following his way, you see Jesus all the time interacting with his disciples. He invests his life in them. So you've got the disciples, they're followers. He knows them, they know him, they enjoy life with him. And then the second crowd you see, the second group of people you see Jesus interacting with a lot are the religious leaders. And they don't like Jesus. They oppose him. They try to catch him out. They falsely accuse him. They're against him. They dislike him. They don't believe his claims. And, and they're as far from being a dis, as a disciple as you could be. So you've got these polar opposites. You've got the disciples. That's one group he spends time with. You've got the, the religious leaders. That's another group in the Gospel of Matthew. But then you've got the crowd. And they're in between. The crowd live on the spectrum between following Jesus and hearing Jesus. They don't follow him, but they don't hate him. Some of them, they're, they're apathetic towards him. They don't really consider him. They haven't thought much about him. Some of them are maybe close to following him, but they've not made that commitment. Some might be a million miles away from following him. But the crowd, those who, who Jesus has compassion on, are these people who are not living for him yet. And yet they could be that's the crowd he has compassion on. And why does he have such compassion on them? Why does he feel so deeply for them in his gut? Well, well, Matthew here tells us. It's because they were harassed and helpless, verse 36, like sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus looked at the crowds around him, he, he saw them like sheep who didn't have a shepherd. Now, this morning we're sitting here in the heart of East Belfast, we are an inner city church. Uh, And although we've got these lovely harvest decorations, and although we've got the fruit around us, and although it looks a bit rural this morning, we are not a rural congregation. Sure, we're not. I I don't think any of you are farmers. And if you are, my bad. Uh, I'm pretty sure that none of you own sheep. Again, if you do, sorry, I didn't know that. But my guess is that as we sit here in an inner city church with no farming background and no clue about farming, when we hear Jesus say they're like sheep without a shepherd, we scratch our heads and we go, what does that mean? You know, what's what's the big deal? You know, can can sheep, you know, are, are they in a bad way without a shepherd? Are they? Well, they are. Sheep who don't have a shepherd are in a really, really bad way. I know this because I know nothing about farming, and this week I had to look up what a shepherd does. Um, And what I could do, I could have gone into the ancient world and seen what they did then, but what I decided to do was look at what shepherds do today. Uh, And if you go to America, being a shepherd is a viable job. You can get a job as a shepherd. So I looked at some job descriptions of shepherds in the States today. And shepherds have a number of jobs. And if the shepherd doesn't do his job, basically the sheep are in a bad way. The shepherd's job is to feed the sheep. To feed the sheep. You see, sheep without a shepherd, they'd be hungry. You might not know this, but sheep apparently are terrible foragers. Put them in a a, a, a kind of field full of grass, and they'll just eat all the grass. It's brilliant. But you see, if that grass ran out, they wouldn't know where to go. They wouldn't know how to find food. They wouldn't know how to search it out. They're, they're, They're kind of silly that way. They don't know how to find food. And so they need a shepherd to to bring them to green pasture. They need a shepherd to to give them feed every day. They need a shepherd that they would be filled. Without a shepherd, they're they're hungry. You know that feeling you're going to have later on after you finish off your Sunday dinner? You know that feeling of being full and satisfied and it it just feels really good? Without a shepherd, the, the sheep never feel that. Never quite full, never quite satisfied, always feeling, well, empty. Without the shepherd, no fulfillment. Also then, without the the shepherd, they'd really have no sleep. Apparently, sheep are not very good at sleeping. Even the best sheep only sleep for four hours a day. And apparently, it's really hard to get sheep to go to sleep. And there are two things which mean they don't sleep well. The first one is fear. If sheep are scared, if they're scared of predators, if they're scared of a wolf coming or a bear coming if you're in the States, if they're scared, if they're frightened, they won't be able to sleep. They won't be able to rest. And that's why they need a shepherd. You see, if there's a shepherd, the shepherd is there to protect them. The shepherd is there to drive off bears or to shoot them if they're in the States with a big rifle. The shepherd gives the sheep the security they need to rest. And it's amazing. In the States, if you're a shepherd, you actually have this little caravan and you travel about with the sheep and you sleep in the caravan near where they are to reassure them that they're safe so they'll sleep well. But sheep without a shepherd, they don't rest because they've no security. No safety. And they also don't rest without a shepherd because they'd be covered in flies or pests. You see, one of the shepherd's jobs is to clean the sheep, it's to, to spray them with disinfectant, it's to make sure that they're free of pests and flies and ticks. That's making you start to itch. I'm really sorry. But that's what a shepherd does. He, he frees them of the pests that keep them awake at night. And if they didn't have a shepherd, they they wouldn't be free from these things and they wouldn't be able to rest. They wouldn't be able to find peace. They wouldn't be able to sleep. And the last thing that sheep really need a shepherd for is guidance. Without a shepherd, sheep just get really badly lost. It's still online. If you go into the BBC archives, BBC News archives, and, and you type in sheep, Fall over a cliff. You'll find an article about some sheep in Turkey in 2005, and do you know what happened? One sheep went over a cliff, and 400 more sheep went over the cliff after them, and they all died. And then you see, after those 400 sheep had gone over the cliff and died, 1,100 more sheep went over the cliff too, but they didn't die because they were cushioned by the 400 dead sheep below. True story. Sheep really need someone to guide them. They don't have a sense of direction. They don't know where they're going. Without a shepherd, without someone to lead them and guide them, they're totally lost. Totally lost. Totally disorientated. Unsure of where to go. Sheep really need a shepherd. And what's really interesting about the Lord Jesus is that whenever he looked at the people around him, when he looked at the crowds, when he looked at those who who neither followed him or hated him, when he looked at the people in the middle, that's what he saw them as. People living like sheep without a shepherd. And folks, is that not... How, if we people watch, we really will see people are. If you really open your eyes and if you really start to look around at the people who you work with, the people who you go to uni with, the people who live in our community, the the people in your family who don't know Jesus, if you really open your eyes and people watch like I do, is that not what you'll see? Is that not what we see? Do we not see people who are hungry? I don't mean physically, but I mean kind of spiritually and emotionally. Do we not see people who are always striving after the next thing in the hope it will bring them satisfaction? Do we not know people and say, listen, if only I had X, then I'd be fulfilled. If only I had a nicer car or a faster car or a bigger car, if only I had a better house, if only I had less debt, if only I had X, Y, or Z, if only I had... Then I'd be full. Then I'd be satisfied. Then I'd be filled up to the brim. Is that not what most people are like that we know? You know, if only I had a a boyfriend or girlfriend, if only I had another degree, if only I had a spouse, then I'd be full. People around us are, are hungry, they're not satisfied, they're not full. And they're wondering how to find that satisfaction. And and the reason Jesus has compassion on them is because he knows that the only source of satisfaction, the only thing that will fill them, is God himself. Augustine said, My my heart is restless, O Lord, until it finds rest in you. Jesus, when, when he looks at people, he recognizes that the empty space in their lives, and they're trying to fill it with all sorts of stuff, but it can be only filled by God himself. And they don't recognize this. And so he has compassion on them. He, he feels for them. Do we not also see people here just exhausted? People who find it really hard to find any sort of rest in their life, always fearful, always anxious, always worried. Fearful about the future, fearful about their family, fearful about their pension, fearful about their future prospects, fearful about Brexit, fearful about everything. Do we not know lots of people and and they just live their lives in fear with no security and no safety? Feeling totally frightened? We do, don't we? Anxiety levels are at an all-time high. The world is filled with people who who have no security and no sense of safety. And Jesus here, he he feeds compassion for these people because he knows that God can give it to them, but yet they don't know him. They don't know him as their shepherd. Another thing that keeps people awake at night is, is a guilty conscience, isn't it? Another thing that keeps people awake at night is, is looking back on their lives, at their, their past mistakes or their regrets or the things that they've said to people or how they've hurt people or how they've damaged people and they cannot sleep at night because they've these pests of the past, these pests of guilt, these pests of, of, of shame eating away at them every single night and they toss and they turn unable to get rid of them. And Jesus, he he feels compassion for these people because they don't know God, the one who can forgive them, the one who can cleanse them of their guilt and their shame and their regrets. And then we look around today and and we see people who are just lost. No guidance. No clue. There's so many people and, and they're asking the question, what's this all about? what is this life all about? I think that's one of the reasons why our suicide rate is so high in this part of the city and in this part of the the world. Because so many people, they're they're living life and, and they just have no idea what to live for. No idea what they should be doing. They're just following the crowd, doing what everyone else is doing, but with no real sense of where they're going. You see, there's something within us, isn't there, that, that we know our life is meant to count. Within each of us, there's this sense that we're meant to be living for something. And so many people, they, they have that feeling, but they don't know what it is. They're like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know the God who made them and who has a, a plan for them and who wants them to live for him. Jesus, he, he saw the crowd and he, and he saw what they were like. They were like sheep without a shepherd. There they were people and they didn't have God. They'd know God, so they'd know satisfaction. They'd know God, so they'd know rest. They'd know God, so they'd know security. They'd know God, so they'd know place. They'd know God, so they'd no assurance. And he felt compassion on them. Folks, let's pray that God gives us this compassion too. Let's pray he breaks our heart like the heart of the Lord Jesus was broken for the crowds. It turns out, though, that Jesus didn't just see the the, the, the crowds as sheep without a shepherd. He, He also saw them as something else. Jesus also saw them as a really big harvest just ready to be brought into the harvest barn. He also saw the crowd as, as apples that were in full bloom and ready to be picked, as, as wheat that was fully grown and ready to be harvested. And you see that there, don't you? Look what he says in the next verse. He says to his disciples, the harvest is ripe. He sees the crowds and he says, look, it, it, it's like a harvest field that's ready to be brought in. The harvest is ripe. You have so many people and they might not realize it, but they're searching for God. They're looking for him, they need him. The harvest is ripe, Jesus says, but there's a problem, a big problem. what's the problem? well, Jesus makes it clear the harvest is ripe, he says, but the workers are few. you know it's like jesus it's it's like he sees this big field, a big huge field and and, it, and everything's ready. All the fruit is ready to be picked. And as he looks around, there's only him and a couple of others who are going to go out and do the picking. And what does that mean? It means that it's not all going to be harvested. It's all ready to be brought in, but but there's not enough people to bring it in. And that's kind of the picture that Jesus paints here. He he looks at these crowds and he he looks at them and he thinks, you know what? There's so many people just waiting to be brought into the kingdom of God. There's so few workers to bring it in. So few workers who are going to go and and, and actually bring them into the kingdom by telling them the gospel. And we know that, don't we? We know that. You know, we, we sit here and we're his sheep. We've got the shepherd. And we know so many people without him, but yet. How many of us are, are willing to go and to, to, to bring them into the fold? How many of us are willing to go and, and tell them that they can know the shepherd? Just a few of us, really, isn't it? The harvest is ripe, Jesus says, but but the workers are few. But what's really interesting is that Jesus doesn't say, no, you go and do it. Now, he's going to do that in chapter 10. But the first thing he says is, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to Pray. Pray that the the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into the field. And folks, that's what I want us to be praying for. That God would send out workers into the field. And what I really want you as a church family to pray for is that he would send us, that he'd give us that heart. Because without the heart to do it, without the compassion the Lord Jesus feels for people, we just won't do it. We won't. But pray that the Lord uses us and and breaks our heart for the lost in such a way that we're willing to go and bring them in to the barn. That we're willing to go to the lost sheep, those who are wandering like sheep without a shepherd, and bring them home to the good shepherd. This morning, to finish, I just want to ask you a question. And it's this. Do you know the shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? Or are you like the, the no God, no satisfaction? Maybe you're here this morning and you're religious and you like church, but maybe you have no God in your life. And you know that feeling of no satisfaction. Or maybe you've no God and you've no rest. Or maybe you've no God and you've no security. Maybe you've no God and you've no peace. Maybe you've no God and no guidance. Are you a wandering sheep this morning? Are you one of the crowd? Well, if I you are, I want to encourage you. And I want to encourage you by telling you that if you come to know God, you'll come to know satisfaction. And if you come to know God, you'll come to know rest. And if you come to know God, you'll know peace. And if you come to know God, you'll know guidance. And you can know him. You can know him. Because that's why the Lord Jesus came. And Isaiah it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the Messiah, the iniquity, the sin of us all. Christ came into the world to save sinners. He came for lost sheep. He came and he died that, that our sin and our rebellion could be forgiven, that we could know God and enjoy life with him forever. Folks, if you, if you don't know him, if you don't know him, you can Do you know what I would love for each and every one of you? I'd love you to be able to read Psalm 23 like it's your own. I'd love you to be able to open Psalm 23 this morning or some morning in your life and read it as your own, to be able to say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know what? Even though I walk through the the darkest valley, even though I go through the most difficult things of life, I'm not afraid. I'm at peace. I'm secure because he is with me. And his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Do you know him this morning? Can you read that psalm like you'd written it yourself? If the answer is no, you're invited to know Him. And I plead with you, I plead with you to get to know Him. Stop living like a sheep without a shepherd. And run to the good shepherd this morning and enjoy life with Him, now and forever. We've got these little cards. And we introduced him a few weeks ago, Connect Cards. And and what I want to encourage you to do, it doesn't have to be today, but if you don't know the shepherd and you want to, or if you're not a Christian but you want to find out more, I want to encourage you to please fill in one of these cards and stick it in the box at the back. Let me make contact with you and, and let me come and meet with you. And we can walk this path together in the hope that you might come to know the good shepherd. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at the world around us, we we just see so many people lost, completely lost, living life with no meaning, no purpose, no rest, no security, living life longing for you but not even realizing it. Lord, give us the compassion that you had for the lost. Give us hearts that break for them to the point where we will go and introduce them to you and tell them about Christ. Oh Lord, help us not to be fooled by the success that people have or or by the words people use or by the, the, the things that they say claiming to be satisfied and happy. Help us instead to see beneath that they're longing for you and looking for you in all the wrong places. Oh Lord, send workers out into this harvest field in Northern Ireland but more than that, May we, as individuals of your church, and may we, the church, be those workers who go and make Christ known. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.